My friends, welcome back to Restless. I'm Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport. You've joined myself, Paul, Diane, and Lauren, as today is definitely a different day in the life of the church, in the life of the world, because it is Good Friday, a day in which there's a great deal of somberness on the earth, and you can kind of feel it today. It's kind of almost a heaviness in the world, but it's also a day that we call good, because it's the greatest event in human history. So. And let's talk a little bit about Good Friday, about the Triduum, which we're right smack dab in the middle of, you know, like Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, and kind of like what, you know, what our experience has been for Holy Week, what we do around the Passion, you know, meditating on the Passion, what strikes us in the Passion and the suffering and death of Christ. So first of all, that question really does come up all the time. Like, why do we call this Good Friday? Because what in the world is good about it? It's the worst thing in human history. We killed God. Lauren, what do you think? God is going to rise again. True. Well, we know that. True. (laughs) Spoiler alert. um, uh, How long have we been calling it Good Friday? Can we start with that? That's a great question. I have no idea. I don't know the answer to that question. But to the original (laughs) question, um, (laughs) well, in order to have the resurrection, you need to have the death. Um, Without the death, there is no resurrection. Hmm. That is true. That is true. And Christ is willing to accept death so that we'd be saved from the power of sin and death. Um, and so that we have the possibility of living, you know, forever um, with him. So, um, and, I, and then I think of the exalted to the, oh, happy fault that earns so great, so glorious a redeemer. That one line. Yeah. Says it all. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It was the worst day in the world, of course, for, for Christ himself, but for all of us, it benefited all of us infinitely really mm-hmm. yeah the yeah and i think that <clears throat> when we think about christ's human nature he was begotten right so he was born um and he in order like humans when we're human we we have an earthly birth and we have an earthly death and so he needed to die at some point and this is and and we'll get into this later i think but it was a sacrifice sacrificial death um which one would say is you know kind of the ultimate death yeah You know, that's, uh, there was a great saint, Saint Anselm, who wrote a famous book back in the 1200s, I believe, and it was called Cur Deus Homo, which means why did God become man? And he wrote this whole book, and basically he could sum it up in one sentence. God became man because he needed a body in order to die. Like, that was the whole reason why he took on a body, why he lived for 33 years, why he did everything he did was so that he could prepare for this moment of sacrificing it all for us. Kind of, kind of a powerful thought. So do you guys go to Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and uh, the Easter Vigil liturgies? Yes. Because I know today's not a mass. Mm-hmm. Days of service. Which one is your favorite? I mean, those are like my three favorite <laughs> days of the year. Well, um, but uh, I would say the Easter Vigil is my favorite. I think it's so beautiful. And mm. it's also just um, like if you really sort of engage in Lent and um, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, I think that you really sort of have an opportunity to have sort of this uh, this new heart, this pure heart um, for Easter Vigil. So it's really, it's the anticipation leading up to it, and then just the vigil itself is uh, is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It's it's definitely a highlight every year. I agree with Diane. Also, I just looked it up because we have internet, and uh, <laughs> it comes from, so it's an old word for um, like good and meaning like holy or pious. 
Oh, so that's okay. where it comes from. So it's an old English word. It's the old English term of the word good. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Which also it's interesting because Lent is an old English term. Yes. You know, in every other culture, they call it like quaresma or something that has to do with 40. Mm-hmm. But Lent means spring mm-hmm. in old English. Oh. Because it's springtime. So, yeah, go figure. <laughs> that's wild. So do you go to the Triduum liturgies? Uh, um, it depends on the year and my schedule, you know, and, and work. Um, growing up, Holy Thursday was probably my favorite of the year, I'd say. Do you ever, ever get your feet washed? No. Mm. Have you? Yikes. I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. I think a couple times, but I can't remember. That's awesome. I'd probably be like so uncomfortable to have that happen, but I loved the Mass at St. Catherine's. Just, I mean, one, St. Catherine's is a beautiful church, and they, you know, they get the folding chairs, and they just fit perfectly 12 people across. So even that, it just, it looks great. It's really functional. Um, it is powerful, I think, to watch that, and I'm always like, ugh. Old people feet. You know, I, I don't like feet at all. So to watch a priest do that. Is... I do remember that you commenting in seventh grade when we were out in the circle. Oh, I hate feet. The, yeah. <laughs> I you was have, wearing you have two of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've gotten better, certainly. But yeah, so there's that. But that's a little. But it's just kind of remarkable to see it happen in front of you and mm. imagine Jesus doing it. Too, which is much more profound in his day, right? Because their feet really were disgusting. Yeah. Like just the dirt and and everything, and that he was willing to do that as God. But then I also love when we leave, you know, we leave the upper church and we proceed around the corner down the street and they have mm-hmm. these little like lanterns lit up along the way. And so, and it's on the post road. So the cars are driving by. So that feels kind of special too that the public is seeing this procession. Mm. Not that they know what's happening, but, and then you go into the lower church, right? And uh, the Eucharist is brought there and it's very peaceful. Mm. And then you have that quiet time to stay as long as you want. I've always loved that. So that's probably my favorite. That's excellent. I didn't know they did that at St. Catherine's. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to go to that. It's really instead. well done. Because at St. John's, they just kind of go around the church and then go to the side altar. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not quite the same as like actually leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to an outdoor procession for Holy Thursday. That sounds excellent. Mm. Yeah. We used to do that growing up. But do you guys ever do the seven churches yes, tradition? That is my favorite. I've so. done it once in Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. I did it once, probably because Diane organized it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in Stanford, there's like 13 Catholic churches, so it's yeah, it's pretty not easy to, to get to. But um, I think that's that was that was the most disappointing part. I think of COVID. I mean, besides the fact of just not being able to go to anything last year, but mm. um, yeah, missing that because we did it before the year before and had a bunch of young adults kind of just do that pilgrimage. And I think it was very um, special to take part in. And I mean, yeah. in Stanford especially, the churches are not that far away, so you really have an opportunity to uh, to get a lot of prayer time in. Yeah. And the altars are so beautiful. They really are. So yeah. profound. It's a time when you can also go to churches you've never been to before. Like I've only been to St. Leo's once and it was the time I did the seven church pilgrimage. So Okay. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, and there's that Polish church in Stanford. Holy right? name, yeah. Yeah. Which is the most beautiful church it's in so Stanford. So beautiful. I'd never been in there before. Yeah. Very Baroque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that why the tritium is so um or triduum is so important. Um it's it's like it's the pinnacle of our Catholic life. I, like on Holy Thursday we get the Eucharist. And that's great. And then Christ becomes our Paschal sacrifice, Paschal lamb on Friday. And then we have the resurrection on Sunday or, you know, Saturday night is the vigil. It's like, what, what more could you ask for? It's everything rolled into one. Yeah. Within three days. 
Father Joseph, what is your favorite? Because I know, I mean, Holy Thursday must be very special to you and all priests, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think how many times I've celebrated the Holy Thursday liturgy. Probably three or four times Mm -hmm. in my priesthood. Um, and it's it's nice, it's nice. But the Easter vigil, nothing can compare yeah, nothing, with that. Walking into a pitch black church, mm-hmm. holding the holding the giant candle. Good Friday for me has always felt like a marathon because mm. it's just a very long, long. service. Yeah. yeah, it's very long, and uh, and it's it's powerful. But it's it's I don't know. It takes a lot of it's less symbols and I think more words. Mm-hmm. And the symbols are so powerful within the Triduum. Will there be veneration of the cross this year of some kind or? Yes, but you know, there's no kissing of it. Right. So you can kneel before it. Okay. And perhaps I don't think you can even touch it. So okay. kneel or bow. Okay. Yeah, that always made me uncomfortable too as a kid growing up. I don't know why. There's something about venerating in public that would just make me uncomfortable. Like people are watching me. Mm. <laughs> and I still felt that even like on my retreat, we had this opportunity to venerate the crucifix this one evening, and I'm sitting there in the on the couch, like, Lauren, just do it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then, I mean, at that point, there were maybe four other people in the room because it was very late in the evening. You could stay in the room as long as you wanted. And I still had this inner battle with myself to, like, get over worrying about other people watching me doing something to express, like, this respect, right, and honor and love for our God. So it's all good, and there's no reason to, like, question it, and yet I do. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny. Venerate can mean many things. You can kneel, you can touch the cross respectfully. In so many ordinary non-COVID times, people feel like you have to kiss the cross. Mm-hmm. I don't like kissing a piece of wood that 75 people have kissed <laughs> already in front of me. I, but you feel like almost yep. peer pressure, like, well, everyone else has done it. Yeah. Maybe I, I like don't to have kiss faith the hand, you know, kiss the hand, touch the hand to the wood. That's, well, even, that's even pre-COVID thing. at St. John, because at St. John's, we have really, uh, St. John's Evangelist in Stanford, we have really special, because we have relics of the Holy Cross. And so oh, when yeah. you venerate the cross, it's not a little crucifix. It's a, a mini reliquy. That you can that you can kiss or, or venerate as you see fit, um, but even pre-COVID, uh, I think Monsignor always had us had them use uh, like little towelettes to wipe it off after each person, mm. even pre-COVID. Yes, so yeah, that was that felt sanitary and appropriate felt for kissing. <laughs> you could also just do like an air kiss, you know. Just blow, <laughs> blow the cross. I mean, get kiss. close to it, but not touch oh, it. Oh, I've seen that. The yeah, old, I think I've done that. I just missed. Yeah, sometimes when I kiss the altar, I miss. Yeah, because so. yeah, your nose hits instead. <laughs> you're, like, uh, you're like, oh, I didn't get all the way down. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's. I, I love the fact that we have the real piece of the cross. Mm-hmm. I've heard. I've heard that if one were to collect all the pieces of the cross in the world, it would only make like a third of the cross. You know, because a lot of times scoffers will say, well, it, all those pieces of relics, you know, everybody's got a relic of the cross. It must be like five or six crosses, you know, in the world. I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, mm-hmm. and they're all pretty I mean, tiny pieces, tiny shards, just frac- you know, fingernail, you know, less than a fingernail size piece. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about you guys, but like the Triduum this year, especially just because of COVID and the way that, you know, we weren't able to attend masses last year and during, you know, Lent and the Easter season. It's, I think it's just... It's one of those gifts from God, I think, of just having this like even deeper appreciation of being able to go to, you know, like the excitement of going to Holy Thursday Mass and um, Good Friday, just sort of the um, opportunity to reflect and the Easter Vigil. It's just, yeah, I think it's just precious when you realize that it's uh, it can be taken away. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm super excited this year for it. Yeah, how have, is are there going to be multiple? There probably won't be multiple Holy Thursday masses or Good Friday services. Right? I don't think you're allowed to. Or are you? You're you're not allowed to. Although when I was at one particular parish, we had uh, when I was at St. Mary's and St. Benedict's, so it was a linked parish. So we had 
uh, four Easter vigils, four Good Fridays, because one in each language oh. at each, oh, wow. at each oh, church. That's a, that's a good... So, so start, what time did the Easter vigil start? Well, the Hispanic one started 11 p.m. Uh-huh. The English one started 8 right. p.m. Yeah. Yeah, and they had they had I continental think, schedule. I think it was like mm-hmm. 110 confirmations or something like that, adult confirmations. Wow, that's crazy. It was, I think it went at three in the morning. I was well asleep by the time <laughs> that thing finished. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've only been to two Easter vigil masses in my life. I think the more recent was when I was in college, when my cousin's husband became Catholic, and then once as a kid when my mom's friend's husband became Catholic. And all I remember is this is so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, Lauren, you got to go to St. John's this year. It's, okay. It's like two hours, and it's the most beautiful thing. The music is amazing. Um, Unlike most parishes, we do all seven readings. Not last year. No, not last year in COVID, no, but usually. Mm-hmm. And we also have you know, brass, like quintet. And mm-hmm. I love the brass. It's phenomenal. I think we had the Stanford Symphony Orchestra, right? Something One year, like that. Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Okay, so, so I should go? Yeah. You should definitely go. Okay. You should definitely go. It will blow but your mind. They'll, they'll have to be like... When the reservations open up, you're gonna have to just oh, grab it. Good, good point. No, we don't have to res- reserve anymore. Oh, so that's 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 not that's happen. not no, it's not a thing. Fantastic. So gov- they get there early. Our governor's allowing 500 people, and we won't hit 500. So, yeah, so we're blessed. You're saying for the Easter weekend, or no, for for good. Oh wow, for good. Yeah, there's no cap now. It's 50 percent of the capacity. Great. So, thanks be to God. Hmm. Now, do you guys go to like Stations of the Cross or do you like ever watch like the Passion of the Christ during this time period? Passion on Good Friday for sure at night. So after 3 p.m. service and then sometime that night usually. Mm. Yeah, I did that for the first time last year, actually, because I, I remember it came out when I was younger and I just I didn't watch the full thing. I don't. Yeah, I guess I didn't think I could handle it then. So I did that last year and that was in- incredibly powerful. Um, if people haven't seen that, I just think sometimes it's very easy to kind of like just... Um, not diminish, but like to sanitize. Not, yeah, like what he went through, and you see, you know, like the crucifix and and everything all cleaned up. But then to like, you know, just to see him being scourged and the thorns and uh, everything. It's just it's so emotional, and it just really. Um, I think you just yeah it it impacts you in I, I think a way that is is good for your faith and sort of understanding the weight of sin and um, what he did for us and how much he loves us and. Um, kind of like making that not sort of a thought, but actually like uh, being able to sort of like feel and sense that. Yeah, certainly if you haven't seen it, um, it'll change the way you pray the sorrowful mysteries mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it. No, I think I've been contemplating watching it for years now, but I don't want to face it. That's really the truth. They usually open it up on one of the <clears throat> streaming services. I think last year was Amazon Prime or something yeah. like that. So we can watch it together tonight, Lauren. We could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just bring your Kleenex. Yeah. I don't know anybody that's been able to watch that without tearing up. Yeah, it's quite yeah. moving. Very moving. I usually get teared up during the Good Friday service too, mm-hmm. especially um, when it's, um, especially during the petitions, the long petitions where you pray for each, everybody in the world at some point. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that that's really, for some reason, that's just really moving. Um, and because I think it, one of them is like people that are Christians people that are Jewish and people that don't believe in God, I think is the last one or one of the last ones, right? So, and that's always really moving that, you know, we're incorporating that into the day when Christ gave it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. When we come back from break, we're going to talk more about Christ's passion, how it impacts us, and what, what do we reflect on? So stay tuned. Hey, 
Did you know you can take Veritas Catholic Network with you wherever you go? All you have to do is download the Veritas Catholic Network app. Then you can listen to the live broadcast 24 hours a day. You can also grab podcasts of our original shows like Let Me Be Frank and Restless and much more right at your fingertips and on your phone. Download the Veritas Catholic Network app today at the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store or visit www.veritascatholic.com. And welcome back to Restless. You've joined us on this Good Friday as we're talking about Christ's passion, death, and resurrection in this triduum that we're right in the middle of and how God has often spoken to us through the triduum liturgies and how we've just entered into the mystery of Christ's passion and death. So, you know, we talked about right before break, we're talking about watching The Passion of the Christ and it's such a powerful movie and there's so many characters and you kind of just see how deeply these characters were involved and, you know, from the betrayal of Judas to the denial of Peter to the faithfulness of Mary and John and it just all of these different characters. And like, what aspect of Christ's passion really stands out to you? Is there anything that kind of strikes you anytime, every time you meditate on it and just the powerfulness of it? For me, it's the line, I mean, whenever I'm praying those sorrowful mysteries, um, you know, when Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Like, for him to uh, to say that after sort of all of the, um, you know, like, just the scourging, the crowning with thorns, you know, like, the the walk up, it's, uh, that, it, that just, like, strikes me. I always get sort of teared up about that um, because... Uh, yeah, just to be obviously like on the cross and forgiving, forgiving of us and sort of like almost excusing, um, humans and behavior and stuff. I just, uh, it's such a like testament to selfless love and, um, the, like the, the, yeah, I guess like the level of love that he has for us. So. Yeah, I don't know if I could forgive the people nailing me to a tree. No, and That's just incredible. like just thinking, like even watching the passion too of like you know seeing everything, like just think like, and then you try to like you almost like try to feel what he felt, and like to do that for that length of time, and then also to consider that like he did all that when he was like, like I think of like when I don't get enough sleep or like I'm hungry and I'm tired and like you know he obviously and and loss of blood and you throw all that in and for him to still like kind of say that through all the pain and um it's just uh like I don't know it's it's extremely because I think it, it's easy to have like a head knowledge of his love but like sort of a heart knowledge I think that's what that's what gets me and sort of um helps me to to believe that and to um, and I think that that sort of can transform your faith life and, um, just how you, your relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The crucifix really is love made visible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What about you, Paul? Yeah. I think, the, um, talking about the movie, I guess the, the, the long walk, um, the march up Calvary. And for those who have been to Israel, you know, it's actually not like, it's not a particularly high hill. Um, but, uh, they, even just to go walk three steps or four steps in the condition that he was in after the scourging and is just is a shocking and and when we think about it, it just it, it always brings back to like when we have to uh carry our own crosses um whatever they may be and we have to march up Cal- calvary um it's uh it, it just it always pales in comparison it seems like than what he had to go through that one day yeah that's for sure that's for sure and there's a sense in which when we carry our own crosses it's just like we deserve it, you know, because we are sinners. But Christ was the only one that truly like didn't deserve any of that, and did it anyway. Lauren, what do you think? 
I think the scourging is the most difficult part. Um, knowing what the tool was that the Romans used, right? It was shards of bone and, you know, things that were in, intended to rip the skin off the body. Um, just so gruesome. And obviously you the sound, right? And the number mm. of the lashing. Um, and so if you do that, um, you follow the path via Del Rosso, right? You can go to the scourging location and I think in the lamp above, they've got like a whip that kind mm -hmm. of would emulate what was used at the time. So even Ooh. that, you're like looking at it like, oh my gosh, you know? And yeah. that's just the beginning. Um, and then if you look into, um, you know, like this torture even further, like... The amount of blood he would have lost at that time, how weak he would have been, you know, that people died from that alone. So he's already essentially on the brink of death and he still had to carry the cross out, right? Be nailed to it and then hang on it. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's so horrific. Um, and I've learned a little bit more about all the wounds in depth from the Catholic talk show that podcast they they have an episode that covers it in detail and scientifically what what would have happened to his body and how things broke down so that was a real eye-opener for me um and another thing i learned is the total number of wounds he received do you all know no so i i just looked it up it's 5466 wow which he revealed to saint gertrude the great okay an amazing Benedictine nun, mystic, and theologian of the 13th century in Germany. So I had heard about this. I knew it was somewhere in the thousands. I didn't know it was that many. But I also heard there's a devotion that if you make a prayer for his wounds 15 times a day and you do that every day for a year, you've covered every wound that he received. Oh, interesting. Oh, right? I do know in those revelations that he said his most painful wound it was actually the shoulder wound. I heard that too. Yeah, I think one shoulder. Like yeah. His right shoulder hurt more. Which I can imagine. Yeah. Can imagine i mean carrying that cross it's crosses probably around 100 pounds and even though jesus being a carpenter knows how to carry heavy wood mm. still you know in his weak state how awful that must be yeah the scourging is pretty tough to, mm -hmm. to watch mm -hmm. and passion of the christ and just to meditate on the cruelty that human beings can have yeah it, it's kind of a weird um thing so when we watch it tonight let's say um I, it's this weird uh I look forward to watching it because I I, I want it's 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 not masochistic maybe it's masochistic but <laughs> it's um I want to feel that today just today hopefully <laughs> right I, I want to feel that I want to be sad you know this is this is the day that it's like it's okay to be sad today yeah um give myself permission in my family we had a tradition that from twelve o'clock noon to three p.m. we were totally silent. Wow. My parents re refused to allow us to do play any games or talk or anything. It was like, just be silent. And it always made me, impacted me very deeply. Like, this is a day totally set apart from the other days. And then you'd go to 3 p.m. service and then... Yeah, and then we'd talk after that. That's mm -hmm. so profound. Like, what a good way to teach children the significance of the day. Yeah, and I, I still do that. From usually from twelve noon to th before this, right before the service. Other than today, as we're recording a podcast, and um, I usually just spend the time in church. And it's really weird because the Eucharist is not in the church, and you feel this emptiness. You can sense Jesus's presence is not there. It's a strange, strange. 
yeah i would i would say that that is the that is the strangest thing but also i guess a gift you know to to not it's it's like i mean and and i know not everything is sensible but like that day i definitely feel the non-presence of jesus you know yeah of of not you know like the eucharist isn't there and i felt that too when i've walked into um protestant churches the same feeling (laughs) so it's uh it's very interesting I think yeah. that, that really, honestly, it helps to bolster faith, I, I think. I think that also, uh, well, in, at many churches, you know, after after Mass is finished, you'll have people standing around the pews talking and things, maybe not during COVID, but let's, but, but pre-COVID. Um, but you don't get that on Good Friday. People leave. They pray, they stay, they pray, or they leave quietly. They come in quietly and leave quietly. And it's just this, it's just this other level of reverence that, you know, you may not have any other day of the year. Yeah, definitely a sense of somberness, Yeah, which is good. We need that. Mm-hmm. We need that. So, you know, I mean, during this whole course, Passion experience, you know, the apostles were in such a terrible state. I mean, I can't even imagine their, their master, whom they've loved and followed for the last three years, has now been arrested, tortured, and mm-hmm. hung upon mm-hmm. a cross. I mean, I know that we'd probably like to think that we were we'd be like John and faithful to the end. But I mean, like what, what, put yourself in their shoes. Like, what would you be going through? I think I would be scared out of my mind because I would assume that I'm next. Yeah, I probably would be too. <laughs> yeah. And that's why most of them hid, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I would have hid as well. You know, like you're witnessing, you, I mean, they all witnessed first uh, his arrest. And then I think they had to know he was held overnight, right? And, this is it, and like you said, you don't want to be captured next. You probably don't want to face what he's about to go through, whether or not they understood it, right? Because they didn't expect him to resurrect, even though he told them that he would. Yeah, they just so, didn't understand. Right. And we do have to cut him a little slack because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come on them. You know, that, I mean, that changed them from fearful to bold. bold. You know, yeah. We have the, the benefit of hindsight, knowing that three days later Jesus rises. Because I, I could imagine going through Good Friday, just as Catholics, and if we didn't have Easter, it would be a very different experience. Yeah, that, that's actually true. So I, I discussed with one of my, um, when I was in college, I had this whole group of like evangelical, non-denominational Protestant friends. And they, and, and one of them told me, attended some of the masses. I was always home for, you know, home from college with my parents, but he attended the mass at the Tritium, and he told me, he says, I've never done that. I've never even thought about that before. You know, having those three or one service, two masses, where you celebrate this and you go through the entire, especially on the Easter vigil, you go through the entire salvation history within three days. And he says, we don't have that. And I think we're missing it. Mm. So when you think about going through Good Friday, um, for a lot of Christians, it's probably somber because of the because it's just a known day, but it doesn't have the same weight, I think, um, if you don't go to a very somber service like we do. And when you do it for the first time, maybe you are, maybe maybe it's hitting on that point that you just brought up, where you're going through it for the first time. Yeah. I think it's, you really can't understand Christianity at all until you do all three Triduum liturgies. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, especially Easter Vigil. <laughs> especially Easter Vigil, yeah. 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 I think the other key, you know, Paul, you're making me think is we can't get ahead of ourselves and already jump to Easter because mm. that's so easy to do as well, right? You're probably thinking like, oh, the, we're getting together with the family and do you know what I mean? You're, mm. you're planning mm. like that fun family side of it, but you should go through the process 
of the death, right? Yeah. And meditate on that, like you're saying, spend some hours in silence, right? Because it only helps us spiritually and, and helps us understand what's really happened for us, you know? Well, you know, one of the great ancient traditions is to keep what they call the great Paschal fast, which is to not eat from Holy Thursday till Easter Vigil, wow. which is basically two full days. Is that what you do? Uh, no, I'm not supposed I, to ask that. That's I a just, new level I'm, of fasting. Oh, man. I just don't want to, as a priest, I don't want to pass out. Yes. No, that's fine. Vigil, you, don't, so. you, don't, you don't have to. It's yeah, you okay. don't have to. It's not, right. it's not obligatory. But, you know, certainly even Holy Saturday, it's not a time to feast mm-hmm. until after Easter Vigil. When I was in college, our Easter Vigil, I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, and the Easter Vigil was about four hours long. And then, so it would start around like 10 p.m., go to about 2 a.m., and then have a party from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m., Wow. They call it the resurrection party. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was it was such a tremendous experience. And what what would they do for four hours? The ma- Why would the ma- Why would the mass be well, four hours? Because you know, a lot of times when you go to a mass, you know, we don't read all seven readings. We did all seven readings, and there's responsorial psalms in between. Mm, okay. And each psalm, they played every verse of that psalm, and it was like ten minute song okay. in between. And they do several songs, and and they would always have baptisms and things. Oh, okay, so, yeah, that that could add up. Yeah, for sure. You know, homily was 45 minutes or <laughs> something like but it's powerful it's powerful so this is this has been a powerful episode kind of somber interesting to think about and, and and sad and yet nevertheless there is hope because as christians we know that death is not the end we know that Jesus' death is not the end but rather it's it's the freedom for from sin the freedom from death for all of us and so this good friday i don't have a challenge for you just enter into the mystery this mystery of Good Friday. You know, it's such a beautiful time to meditate on what Christ did out of love. Because when you see that crucifix, when you meditate on the scourging and the nails and the crown of thorns, all that was done out of love for you, for me, for every human being on this earth who ever existed. And it's an invitation to enter deeply into his mystery of his passion, death, and soon to be his resurrection. Thanks so much for joining us on Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, which is 1350 AM. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube and Facebook. Have a great day and enter into this mystery of Good Friday. God bless you.